Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought you'd be further along financially by now? If so, you're not alone. Many people find themselves wanting to ditch their nine to five, wishing they had more time with their family. What most people want is to simply live the life that they choose and with plenty of money to do so. The good news is you can live an abundant life through apartment investing. Mark and Tamil Kenny with Think Multifamily help you take back the time and freedom so that you can live free from the stresses that burden so many. Through multifamily investing, they teach you how to set your family up for a lifetime of true success and fulfillment. They have helped hundreds of people just like you. Patrick, for example, who since working with Think Multifamily has purchased over 900 units with another 850 under contract. And at 27 years old, was able to quit his demanding job in corporate America. Regardless of your age or profession, Think Multifamily can help you create the life of your dreams. As hosts of the new Think Multifamily podcast, Mark and Tamil will walk you through the journey step-by-step to make sure you are completely set up for success. Through this interview-style podcast, you will gain a proven strategic apartment investing system and hear stories from successful investors, all to help you be light years ahead of those who try to do it alone. Subscribe to the Think Multifamily podcast today at thinkmultifamily.com forward slash podcast. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Adam, AAA Adams, and today I'm interviewing someone else whose name is Adam, so it's going to get super confusing with all these A's, but Mr. Adam Beckstead, how are you today, sir? Yeah, I'm fantastic. You better be I'm, fantastic. I'm outside, and uh, you know, I'm north, so this it's nice here. <laughs> I was uh, listening in as we started the pre-interview today, Adam, and you've got some birds chirping. I don't hear them right this second, but you there was a lot of birds chirping earlier, yes. so it sounds sounds like it is is nice. What what what's the weather like right now? Seventy degrees? Yeah, it's about uh, about seventy four. Okay. And I figured I'd change up the background because most of the people you interview, it's like in an office somewhere, and so yeah. I thought I'd change it up for you a little bit. I I really appreciate that, and I know that the listener appreciates your other background, especially the ones on the podcast that can't see it anyway. <laughs> Adam Beckstead is out in Fort Wayne, Indiana, um, just a little bit north of Indianapolis. He's at, right now today, 207 units after selling off some of his portfolio, so he's really just crushing it in the multifamily space. Uh, do you have single family and, and, multi, and large multifamily? Is it kind of a combination between? Yeah, so I have a little mixture there and I do actually have some office space as well. And um, this, I was kind of mentioning that I'm starting to sell off some of those smaller properties so that I can focus on the larger properties, the larger projects. Got it, got it. Well, what you're doing is pretty dang cool. Um, some of the things that I want to talk about is the 174 unit that you closed in Lexington, Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, uh, yeah. with your partners. And I want to talk about how you raised a million dollars for 
that deal and how one of your investors brought in 800K, which is really incredible. So maybe we can pull out some, uh, some information from you so that we might be able to learn how to find those big fish to make a million dollar uh, raise much, much easier on ourselves. We do the 800 and then we just got to get a couple more people and we're done. That's yeah, kinda cool. awesome. Kind of cool what you're doing. Um, so actually Adam Beckstead uh, had a family owned business. They sold their business, which got him into real estate where he first bought all these 42 other properties. What's interesting that he shared with me right before we started recording is that his net worth doubled the first year after selling that business through real estate. His parents, they, they've also uh, sold their business and gotten into real estate. And so this is really the path, right? So I'd love to chat a little bit about your experience, Adam, in transitioning from a business into real estate. I want to talk a little bit about capital raising and how to get in front of high net worth individuals. So Adam, will you give us a, a couple of pieces that I missed in your short bio, a couple of pieces that'll help us out for the rest of this interview? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. So I need you oh. to do that. Oh, you want me? Okay. So um, as far as just uh, just my background or? Yeah, just as, yeah, exactly. So I, I gave you a bad question, but really what I'm asking and hoping for is, is if I missed a part of your background, that would be beneficial to the rest of the interview. If you could kind of fill in those gaps for me right now. Yeah. So my parents actually retired quite a bit ago and they actually retired with commercial real estate. So um, not, res not residential, not rentals um, as far as living in, but uh, businesses, you know, renting out to businesses and um, has been very lucrative to them. They have um, made some really good purchases. And over the years, I've definitely been wanting to get into real estate, but was consumed by my business, which I'm sure anyone that owns a business right now can relate is that you you just lose focus about everything else and you really narrow down into the business. So um, when I got an offer to sell the business, I really just um, pulled back a little bit. I wasn't planning on it. I was ready to actually um, under contract to buy two other competitors locations to expand my business. So um, why would I sell? You know, most people in that position, it was very lucrative. I could have rode that out my entire life stayed in that business and lived very comfortably. But I realized that it was overruling my life and I just started number crunching. You know, my since my parent was parents were in real estate, I've dabbled it in the past. I just started running numbers and I realized that it was a stupid decision not to sell. And I just proved that self to me, you know, afterwards rolling some of that money into real estate and I was able to increase my net worth by so much by using real estate. Yeah, that's, that is really, really cool. So um, as you transition from running that business, you, as you said, you were about to buy two other uh, businesses in the same industry and you, you could tell as you crunched the numbers that you would have actually been set. You would have been making a great living um, between the three different businesses, but you still kind of said, I think real estate is even stronger. Now I want to find out what at the time made you notice that, that even though you would have been set for life, that you should 
completely switch gears and instead of buying two locations, sell your location. Um, and I want to understand just what did that look like and did it actually come true so far? Yeah. So um, what, essentially what I did was I just, I ran the numbers that if I spent my time and efforts to stay in that business, um, the amount of time it would take to um, grow those other two businesses and essentially build them into the culture that I already had in my existing business, you know, what it would take to do that. And I really looked at probably about, um, I think it was about a seven year plan in both scenarios of real estate and staying within the business. And it was, it was about two and a half times more with my real estate plan compared to just staying within the business. And like I said, if I would have stayed in the business, I still would have had a really good life. So imagine what it's going to look like. And I got about, um, about another five years in my plan. And uh, I'm really excited to see where I'm going to be able to go with that. Like I said, two and a half times difference um, between the two different plans. It, it was a, it was a no brainer. Awesome. Yeah, really, really good. And at some point, and I believe it was recent because you, you already had millions of dollars of real estate, 42 different units. Um, and you were in a great place and then something kind of triggered you and it, and it said, you know, I sh maybe I shouldn't buy single family and duplex. Uh, maybe I should syndicate and raise capital. So like what exactly happened there? Did you find another two and a half X uh, that you were like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't keep on this path either. I got to go do that other path. Well, I think uh, the 42 units that we started off with and both myself and my wife managed those properties. And we used that as a proof of concept in real estate. You know, when we were coming out of selling the business, I'm like, okay, well, um, I spent all the time trying to learn as much as I could network with as many people. And I used those units myself as a proof of concept that real estate was going to work for us. So after that point, um, and we had a mixture of small multifamily, single family, some office space, I said, we need to determine which route we want to go. And the multifamily has been the most lucrative for us. So uh, we ended up going to Ride Cleef's boot camp as a springboard to determine if we wanted to pursue multifamily. We want to know there's some sort of secret sauce that we didn't know about this. And the great thing is, is that we went there, we learned, yeah, we learned some stuff, but we, it really reaffirmed a lot of actions that we are already taking, that we are taking the right steps, doing the right stuff and that it was worth it to continue on and focus on solely multifamily. And when you're going to focus on solely multifamily, yeah, you could do it yourself. You could do these small things. But in our um, proof of putting 42 units, we realized we don't want to be the property managers. And so we wanted to transition to properties that we were going to have um, solid A-class property managers that we were going to hire to come in and do that for us. Got it. Got it. Hey, Adam, um, I, I remember a, a time we got on the phone. Um, do you remember what, you, what questions you had before kind of getting into uh, multifamily? Was, it, was one of your questions, should I be syndicating or buying these myself? Or am I wrong on that? Um, no, I think um, if everyone's honest with themselves, that everyone thinks that. Um, you know, there's a sense of control, you know, if you do it yourself, you know, you're the sole decision maker in that. And it's a, um, 
it's a pro and it's a con all in itself because you're going to be in, in this yourself. You have to be good at every aspect of doing this. So I have to be good at sourcing the deals, underwriting them. Um, if I'm going to bring in capital, if I'm, if I'm going to sell it, if I'm going to manage it, I have to be good at every single aspect of it. Whereas in syndication, I can actually partner with people that are experts in aspects of that, that I'm not. And just because of my personality, I won't be experts in that area. So I will have to either uh, partner with someone, whether that's a joint venture or whether that's a syndication. And I've really enjoyed the network of people I've been able to get around and to see their strengths and being able to um, figure out how to take advantage of their strengths to help me and take my strengths to help them. Adam, will you take us to how, how you met this whale and um, how, you, how you were able to develop a relationship so quickly with him? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you really phrased that um, pretty well. And uh, I, I was really surprised to, uh, to see that. And when I hear people talking about how they're going to raise um, capital, but never have, and they're like, talking, oh, I know all these people. And I, I just try to uh, throw a little bit of reality at them and be like, you know, expect those people not to invest with you and then start from there. So yeah, a lot of people will say um, with my uh, large investor on this last deal that it was luck, but um, I'd like to say that it was a lot of hard work and just be me being me um, and networking with people. So I actually um, ended up getting a referral from someone I've networked with um, to this guy um, about the deal. And, um, it, it was the reason behind this guy recommended me, um, and that he felt like I was a good person to work with that was able to get me the confidence of this guy. And, um, that's huge, you know, because a lot of times you're not really thinking about how the people that you're talking with, how that's going to affect people on down the line. And sometimes, it um it may come out of nowhere so what i would definitely recommend to people is um and multiple people say is tell everyone you know what you do and um you know give them opportunities and when you do that stuff it may not happen right away but it will happen the more you do it what's really interesting adam is we could have easily titled this entire episode tell everyone you know what you do because yeah. if, if we go back into the, the your history with those first 42 doors you got every single door everything that you picked up was from networking because because you said at the time to get those 42 rentals 42 units all of those came from the relationships that you had built because you told everybody what you do. And now yes. we're talking about when you shifted gears and start closing on your own large deals like this 174 unit and how easy it was for you to raise the, that million dollars. It really truly came down to you getting out of your comfort zone sharing with people the honest truth. Here is what I do. Here is how I do it. And one of those relationships that you made didn't have millions of dollars, but they said, Hey, I know somebody who has millions of dollars. And I know that Adam Beckstead has high integrity. I've really enjoyed conversing with him, 
I think that he will manage these appropriately. I think he's doing it the right way. He's a person who comes uh, with high integrity. So I'm going to make this connection. So it's not even that you specifically met that person, but you went out of your way to say, this is what I do. And that person was able to kind of think, I know who, who needs to talk to Adam Beckstead. Yeah. Uh, what other, um, do you have any other ways that you are help, uh, helping yourself to be able to be in front of more high net worth individuals? Yes. So um, providing as much value as possible. Uh, so I was going to save this for your uh, five comments at the end, but I actually co-host a meetup with a buddy of mine where we get 60, 70 other real estate investors every month to come to this. And it's been um, fantastic for us to help other people learn and, you know, answer their questions, bring in front of them um, professional people that they can ask questions to and give them multiple views about different topics. It's been really good. I've been able to take a lot of the networking that, I, that I've been doing across the country and bring that into my local meetup, which has been fantastic. So you got, um, in my in local people that I talk to, um, I've really been trying to uh, reach out there with uh, social media as well. So uh, I try to do a lot of activity on Facebook, um, really been picking it up with LinkedIn lately and um, really been enjoying it and trying to provide as much um, value as I can to these people. So if they want to get into this, they have the resources to, resources to do it. And even if it's not with me, I'm giving them help to um, better themselves. I love that. Uh, you, you're doing the same thing that I was always focused on, and it seems to be working well, is just help, 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 help. Uh, give, 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 give. And somehow, it always comes back to you. So that is, that's a really good lesson that any listener can take from here. Adam, I yeah, when ask, other people succeed, I succeed. I love it. I love it. What What's next for you? So you just closed on a 176 unit um, in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. What's What's your next step? Uh, so I'm actually working on another deal right now in Florida, Sarasota, Florida. Oh, cool. And I'm um, really excited about that. And um, really moving towards um, selling off some more of my property, uh, some local property, the smaller units and going to start rolling that money into these larger deals that I'm uh, continually moving forward on. So strengthening partnerships, um, people that I can partner with on um, syndications and whether that's the people that I deal with now, um, maybe I'm also partnering with some people that I'm already not partnering with, but um, providing as much value to not only investors, but my partners as well. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Now, one of the things that I, I neglected to bring up, um, and I'll ask this last question before we do hop into the final five, is um, you are keeping some powder dry. You mentioned this earlier. I know you've put a significant amount of capital into this deal here, um, and, but you, it sounds like you also are trying to hold some money in the bank for another something else that's kind of coming up. Um, is that based on simply thinking that the market might crash and you want to be able to strike fast? Or is, is that more to do with the longevity, the strength of your syndication business, always having money readily available 
for the at-risk capital or both? Well, I, I, I definitely, I think it's a combination of everything. I think that um, as a general partner of putting it together a syndication, it's good to have money in order to close the deals or um, maybe it's just um, taking up some of those investment slots um, that you want to put your money into. But um, let's say I took all my capital and put this into my last deal. I have nothing left to continue on from there. So if I have a deal where I need to put in some at-risk capital, I don't have that money to do. And hence, I won't have a deal to be able to offer to investors. So in one way, it's really benefiting um, the people around me to keep some money that I can do for at-risk capital, or maybe it's um, a joint venture in the future. Um, without the capital, it really limits what you can do in moving forward. I completely agree. Um, I've always said to people, and now that you have this uh, experience with your last deal, um, you, can, you can let me know how, how close we are. But I've always said to people, if, if you plan to get into this business, if you don't have the money, it's cool. You've got to partner with somebody that does. But the most essential thing that I would say is that you have to have at least a minimum of 3% in the bank of whatever you're trying to close. If you're trying to close $10 million projects, there's no way that you can do that without at least having 300K liquid. Um, right. What 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 would you say to that? It, w would it be higher, lower? Um, you know, I, I'd probably raise that a little bit above three percent. I mean, you're gonna you're probably gonna need the three percent to close it. Um, but then, what happens if another deal comes up, or what happens if uh, that extends out and you have to end up uh, waiting for uh, Freddie to Freddie Mac to um, extend that for another month to do some more due diligence on the property? Um, and then, what if you have stuff outside of real estate that you got to take care of? Like what happens if your wife comes to you with an emergency, take me on vacation and you don't have any money <laughs> to take her on vacation. So, um, you know, always having money reserves to um, do stuff with is important. I think it should be to anyone, but yeah, I think that 3% rule that you threw out there is really solid um, to putting on a deal. Now, if you're a, if you're a one deal at a time person and then you aren't going to search for another one until that deal's done, then that's perfect. But what happens if you have two deals? Awesome. Awesome. Brilliant. Thank you so much for going into detail. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, it's a minimum of that 3% just to get that deal across the finish line. But you know, what happens if it extends? What happens if there's an emergency? Uh, thank you for going into that. All right, we're going to move into the final five. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. By now, you should know that one of the biggest things that brings me joy and happiness is to meet listeners of the show. That's why I do so many live events. I definitely want to meet you if, you if you'd like to meet me and some of our speakers, some of our presenters that come to the Raising Money Summit. And just to name a few, we've got Corey Peterson, Jason and Peely Yarusi, Michael Blanc, Michael Becker, Adam Adams, Ellie Perlman, Kathy Fedke, Maureen Miles, Jillian Sadoti, Gene Trowbridge, Alina Trigab, Todd Dexheimer, Ramakrishna, Jeremy Roll, Chris Clothier, Matt Terrio, and Mark and Tamil Kenny. It's going to be awesome. I'll see you on October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Just go to RaisingMoneySummit.com, and then if you want a big discount, just put in podcast.
because my podcast listeners get a giant discount because I am hosting that event. I'll see you October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Mr. Adam Beckstead, what is the most creative deal you've ever done? So I'd have to say I had a small multi-unit in town that uh, I bought for less than half of what they originally listed it for. It was on the verge of going into a foreclosure. I purchased that um, with traditional bank financing, did renovations, refinanced money out. I'm in it for $0 and I cash flow three grand a month. Holy cow, that is amazing. What's a book you recommend? Bam, two books. Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. And for the passive investors, uh, James Candesami, which has been on your uh, your yeah. podcast uh, and passive investing in commercial real estate. This is really good for passive investors. It really breaks it down for them, which is, I, I, I haven't seen another book out for passive investors like that. It is a really good book. James is a very, very good guy. And, um, you know, these episodes usually come out like two months after we record them. It's kind of interesting. Uh, today is June 26th and James's interview dropped on June 25th. It, <laughs> it literally dropped yesterday from the time Perfect. we are recording it. So, uh, yeah, thanks. I actually listened up. to it. Okay. I listened to it while I was driving from Indy yesterday. I just thought it was an old episode. Because oh, I yeah. saw I saw the uh, the Facebook version too a while ago. Yeah, the Facebook version is probably two months ago. It probably happened in April. Um, yeah, yeah. We always we we have at any given time we've got about forty to sixty episodes in the pipeline in in our bank ready ready to be deposited. Just like you say, it's important to have dry powder. <laughs> um, I think it's super 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 important to have these episodes queued up and ready to go. If for any reason I had to take two months off, I would easily be able to do that with, uh, with every other day episodes uh, the yeah. entire time and come back and I would still have 15 episodes ready to go. So it is kind of good to, to have your dry powder. So yeah, where are we going for two months? Right, where are we going? We need, yeah. to, go, we need to go somewhere. Quad A Adam. <laughs> Where were you five years ago? Uh, so I was uh, in a business, you know, all fully consumed by it, um, living a very good life, but uh, also uh, with the stresses that uh, a business brings on you. Where will you be five years from today? Five years from today, um, I'll be in pretty similar situation to where I am now, but uh, with much more um, syndication experience. So I'll have uh, more solidified relationships with other operators. And I look forward to expanding a lot of my um, educational content, whether that's locally or um, online as well. How do you give back? So we already talked about the um, meetup that I do in town. I also uh, became a Rotarian this year to give back locally. I don't know if you're familiar with the Rotary Club. It's really good. It's across the whole world. Uh, if you want to give back, uh, maybe look into that. And I also uh, volunteer for Junior Achievement to help um, kids learn about financial uh, responsibility. And I really like to focus on entrepreneurism with the kids. That's really cool. I love that. Yeah, and and I had never heard the term Rotarian, but I do have a couple friends who are are in the Rotary Club, and I know uh, Joe Fairless is also a part of 
junior achievement. So are another a couple yeah. of, of our syndication friends as well. So um, I should be, I should look into that. I do sit on the board of a, of a nonprofit um, as well, but I, I think that um, these things that you're doing are things that, um, that I've seen other syndicators do. So they might have uh, not only be really good for giving back, but also uh, be really good for just positioning yourself among the right people to make the syndication business even easier. Um, so I, I thought I'd point that out. Now, yeah. there's going to be people that resonate with you that ask you that want to know exactly how you have this relationship with this, this whale of an investor. Um, there's going to be people that potentially want to, they've, they've noticed your integrity. Uh, they want to invest passively into some of the deals that you have coming online. You mentioned you just closed 174. You have another big deal that's in the pipeline and you're trying to push over the, over the finish line out in Florida. Um, how do people find you, your YouTube content, or just get a hold of you? Yeah, so I, I have um, a YouTube channel. I mean, if you're going to search my, just search my name on YouTube, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, I also, my company website is Welkin Equity, W-E-L-K-I-N, equity.com. Uh, you can get me on there. But, um, or come to Fort Wayne, come to one of my meetups. I'd love to have you um, and uh, be a part of that. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really, really, really appreciate your time. I'll let you go now, my friend. But until next time, think outside the box. What's up, podcast listeners? I hope you're getting a ton of value from the episodes that we keep dropping daily all month of August as we promote the Raising Money Summit. I bet you anything you've already gotten your tickets. I assume you're coming and I cannot wait to see you there. I'm going to let you hear from a couple more of the speakers that are going to be on stage at this event right here, right now. Check them out and I'll see you on October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Hi, I'm Kathy Fedke, co-CEO of Real Wealth Network. And we started raising money for syndications back in 2009. So I guess you could say it's my 10-year anniversary. Uh, we did some things very wrong in the beginning and we are doing them very right today. Unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of new syndicators make the mistakes that I made in the beginning and, and mistakes that are way worse than I could ever have dreamed up. So I'm excited, so excited that this event is happening, um, that I can come and teach people how to really build a business that will be there for the long term um, and that investors will just, just be waiting in great anticipation for your next deal and have money set aside that they can't wait to send you. Hi, my name is Jeremy Roll. I'm a full-time passive cash flow investor. I have an MBA from the Wharton School, and I'm also co-founder of Four Investors by Investors, or FIBI. I'm very much looking forward to presenting at the Raising Money Summit in Denver. I'll be speaking on passive investing and the top 10 things you have to look out for in being a passive investor. If you're curious to be a passive investor and you're curious to learn more about things to avoid and what to really look for when you're looking for that type of investment, please come join me at the summit in October. Hey guys, my name is Alina Chegov. I'm going to be at Raising Money Summit talking about what questions to ask investors, how to ask the right questions, and I'm going to help you learn how to ask those questions and do it much better. I'm really excited to be there and I hope to see you at Raising Money Summit. Thanks.